0: Unpopular opinion, but.
1: Unpopular opinion, unpopular opinion, unpopular opinion, unpopular opinion, unpopular opinion.
0: You're listening to Unpopular Opinion, a podcast for professionals from all walks of life who want to hear success stories from innovators who've won by taking the path less traveled. In each episode, recovering journalist and content marketer Ashley Ambersaba interviews individuals who have prospered thanks to their genuinely unpopular opinions, despite warnings from naysayers, threats to their careers, and colossal obstacles. All rebels are welcome. Hello, and welcome to Unpopular Opinion, I'm your host, Ashley Silva, and this episode is brought to you by my friends at Audience Ops. Audience Ops is a done-for-you content-led growth agency that offers blog posts, case studies, and full-service podcast production for professionals looking to launch a podcast like this one. Today, I'm joined by Clark Barron, head of Demand Gen at Brazilian. Clark, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much. I am super pumped to be here. Anything called unpopular opinion, You know, let's get down to it and talk about some actual unpopular opinions
0: i know as long as they're genuine no we all know how it goes with the unpopular opinion tagline on linkedin and other platforms and you get to the bottom you're just like that that was not a hot take or an unpopular opinion in
1: any way you're you're half expecting to see hashtag common sense yeah
0: oh yeah i'm i'm done with that which is kind of the the irony of my title and the show i actually all came from just being always let down (laughs) by that hook. Yeah, Yeah. But anyway, I am very excited to talk to you today. I think you have a topic that a lot of my audience is going to be very intrigued by, which is that you say the only difference between marketing and cybersecurity is that one of them is legal. Can you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Uh, So uh, not necessarily cybersecurity, but a cyber attack, right? So and yeah, there, there are very few differences in what we do is in marketing campaigns and a cyber attack. And I, I didn't realize that until I, uh, I, I got into the cybersecurity industry as a, as a marketer and, uh, you know, stats just look a little weird. Why is an engagement on this? And so I I started talking to, uh. Uh, some of my connections I've made uh, on, on LinkedIn that were on the other side of the fence, buyers. And um, yeah, it, it, it opened the floodgates for me because I, I started to realize that if you break apart, like the high-level architecture of what a cyber attack is, step-by-step, step, it's basically what we do. Uh, <laughs> you know, ma- malicious actors online, they need to identify their targets, right? So they do recon. Well, we call that persona building. Uh, you know, they uh, figure out what what kind of payload they're going to deliver. We develop content, and it just goes on and on and on. You know, the the final thing in a cyber attack is just to maintain and maintain a foothold on whatever vulnerability you've exploited. And so we nurture accounts until they close. It just ad nauseum. And so I started to realize that what I was doing and what we were all doing as marketers in cybersecurity, those buyers, whether they realize it or not, considering how similar what uh, we do um, or how similar uh, marketing is to cyber attacks, I realized that I'm trying to market to world-class experts at defending against exactly what I'm trying to do. You know, it, it I, I, I've recently said that, it, you know, if you can make it in cybersecurity marketing, you can make it pretty much anywhere. Like you're you're playing on hard mode. Good luck trying to get a world class expert in cybersecurity to click a link in an email, you know, and and it just goes on and on. You know, um yeah, it's it, it's wild.
0: What do you think that you can do then, uh, like you're in the industry and you are um, head of demand gen now to kind of uh, lead people in a way that is more um, logical for the industry in marketing?
1: So there's, there's a marketing philosophy that's like build your product in plain sight, let people see that process, right? And so kind of adjacent to that is... Something that that I've been experimenting with, which is talking to the audience, your actual buyers, and letting them know that you get it, you understand why there's such a strained relationship between marketers and CISOs or CIOs or yeah, IT directors, who whoever, and just be be self aware, and just see what they'll tell you. And just approach it from a genuine, authentic point of view, going, look, you might be okay for our product. You, you, you might be the ideal fit. You might have no use for us whatsoever. But you know this better than I do. Like, how can I give you value? How can I just not ask for anything in return? I just, as much expertise as you can give me, as many insights as possible, whatever you want. And it's just about having a conversation, you know, there there are in, in the cybersecurity industry, there are entire content series and podcasts and uh, um, like masterclass workshops uh, solely dedicated to trying to mend that relationship. You know, and you don't really see that in many other industries, you know, uh, B2B, B2C or whatever. Like it's, it's a really uh, lonely island. Sometimes, right? And um, you know, the the best thing we can do is just to talk, you know. And because if you try to rely on the traditional tactics, you know, lead gen or mm-hmm. just a- any of the performance stuff, email marketing, like you're you're gonna have a bad day. And, and so, like you know, it, it, the same way that malicious actors find vulnerabilities to exploit, we as marketers have to find a new exploit. Like the game has to change.
0: What kind of reaction have you got when you've talked about this publicly? I know you've kind of put this out there um, before on social media and probably in companies that you've been at. Um, Do people accept what you're telling them? Are they questioning you? What has that been looking like for you?
1: So it's very polarizing. It is. And and I I have that level of self-awareness. I yeah, I know it is, but I think it's something that we we have to talk about. The the reaction has ranged from uh, vilifying me mm-hmm. and because it it marketers aren't hackers. Like, first of all, hackers is not a bad term. You know, we, we're not malicious actors. Like all I'm trying to say is that here's why some of the things that you might be doing are not working. And if you would just build in plain sight, if you would just talk about it and just bring it up, then, you know, well, let's, let's get out of the, the echo chamber as it were and like start having real conversations about how do, how do we solve this problem? How, how do we get out of this rut? Because, you know, if, if you keep doing what you're, you've always been doing, then what do you expect? You know, Um, but, but I would say the biggest reaction I've got has been, I, I don't want to admit it, but you're right. I've heard that a lot. And it's just, it's one of those things that's like, oh, I get it now. And uh, like specifically within the cybersecurity industry, like, oh, there's a lot of innovation happening. Some of it's kind of catching up. But there's also a lot of innovation going on, and um, you know, I would I would uh, suggest to anybody that's looking to uh, get into audience relationships and like really have that kind of relationship with um, your potential buyers. Check out Audience First by Danny Wolf on LinkedIn. Just masterclasses exactly how to nurture those relationships without it being fake. You know. You just call it like it is and just attempt to have a genuine, authentic buyer-marketer relationship.
0: Have you had to go in and coach people on your teams and things about how to kind of take what they've been doing before and move it into more of the um, approach that you're talking about now?
1: Well, I, th- I think that that, I think that's happening a lot. You know, it, it, it's really tricky when B2B marketers in general are, are kind of late to the game to their understanding that we're not marketing to a persona. We're marketing to a human being. I don't care if it's B2B. That person is still a consumer. It just so happens that B2C as another acronym to throw into the 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 jargon was already taken there's still people and you know that's um, that's something that b2b marketing specifically um could could stand to um really take notice of you know i i've i've talked to people about it and i i've had some people approach me and you know it's it, it, it on the teams that I've been on, it's been a pretty concentrated effort. It's been really collaborative because I, I encourage people, you know, on your team or uh, any consulting work, w- whatever you're doing to just just take a step back and just look at it from a different perspective. Look at it every time you're about to hit send or every time you're about to hit post. But, you know, just think to yourself, what would I do if I got and sometimes that's all it takes, right? There's so many things that in just traditional B two B marketing that I, as a demand marketer, am constantly bombarded by cold outreach, by just pitch slaps. Just mm. All the you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time, and so you would think it, as much as we get that sort of nonsense that we would stop doing it but but all too often like especially with the demand gen like it, a lot of marketers just aren't given the time to to do their research and to like shift gears and to like go into a a, a new gig for example and just take two weeks and audit everything just pick it apart and then you know a, a lot of marketers just don't have the the fortune of having leadership sometimes that are open to that you know you know layoffs all over the place budgets getting cut like nobody has time and it's understandable but if you're if you're actually concerned about long-term growth and like you need to take a step back and like really reevaluate what you're doing because they're people they're not personas they're smart
0: Well, and I think a lot of the activities that you've been mentioning that um, we keep doing that, I mean, none of us, I don't know anybody who's like, I love getting um, pitch slapped on LinkedIn when somebody has, nobody likes that. But I think a lot of it is because we get measured as marketers based on these outdated tactics. So we get measured not on if we're actually providing value or driving revenue, but on how many MQLs are coming down the funnel. And Mm. an MQL could mean Mm. anything.
1: Yeah, that's a four-letter word. Um, yeah, uh, the the MQL is it's a really nuanced conversation, and unfortunately, that's one of those things that if everybody, and I'm not just on your team, but cross-functionally, your BDrs, your A's, your senior leadership, everybody, if everybody is not on the same page as to exactly how you're defining that you don't even necessarily have to be defining it like by a standard you know there are standards of course that most of us follow but like if everybody's just not on the same page that's that's a disaster waiting to happen because if if you've got senior leadership or um you know sales enablement functions and and they're all wondering like hey where are the leads where are the leads Like. You know, that's that's one of those things that you see a lot on, on LinkedIn, people talking about knowing that they need to get away from that, but just had their hands tied behind their back, sometimes through no fault of their own.
0: Yeah, and I know you think that marketing has gotten in um, way too deep with sales these days. Um, can you give examples of that that maybe you've had going on or that you know of?
1: Yeah, that's that might be an actual unpopular opinion you know i i i love that everybody wants to work in a collaborative environment we all have the same goals we're all focused on the long-term growth of the company right but find me one passionate marketer that loves what they do and got into marketing whatever reason I guarantee you you won't find me one that says that they got into marketing to manage a team of BDRs
0: that doesn't and, exist
1: <laughs> right and you know this that's you know just one example but the the, the metrics uh, you know I I'm a demand gen marketer at heart I like having my hand as far down the funnel as I can possibly get it but this this is a, yet another thing like MQL that you really have to have a conversation about upfront, um, even before you get the gig. Right, you, you need to really have a, a good understanding of of what you're going to be measured on, because if it's a dollar sign, that's a red flag, right? Like there needs to be a clear handoff there. And so I, I've been I've been pretty vocal about just like let's. Yes, we all have the same goals, but.
0: Oh, you believe the marketing echo chamber, as you call it, is making everybody dumber and less innovative, (laughs) which I cannot argue with you there. What are things that you think that marketers today can do to kind of set themselves apart from that?
1: Be yourself. Just be yourself. I know that everyone thinks that you've got to write a hook and you've got to make sure that the punch right after that hook comes right, you know, space it just perfectly so the second they click, like, I get it, I really do. But when when you're relying on like the hooks, the bait and switches of, of the echo chamber, and then, okay, you you baited my click it's clickbait right and so you then see a giant post and you get to the bottom of it and go everybody else is saying exactly that exactly that whether it be um here's how you need to be thinking about email marketing open rates going into yada 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 you know it's such a team like it almost seems to be that it's it's gotten to the point where people are far too focused on their personal brand rather than providing value to an audience and that irks me because if you're saying if everybody's saying the same thing then no one's saying anything and you see this all the time where you see the same faces all over the place because one person makes that um, that post that gets some really good engagement. Well, everybody jumps on the train to start commenting on it to try to leech some of that audience, and it's it's just an echo chamber, and it, you see the same posts all the time. And I I'm really looking for just people to follow that are that are authentic that will say, hey some sometimes being in marketing sucks like can we just talk about it like it's like not real it's not that we're verging on like toxic positivity or anything like that like it's well-intentioned but like let's let's just be ourselves you know because just like I I mentioned that that's how you're going to build a relationship with your potential audience just being authentic and having real conversations between human beings it's the same for wanting to provide value in in your perspective on linkedin just drop the hooks like i i know it works i know it works and i know it's I, i know it's somewhat hypocritical to say stop focusing on your personal brand and get better at your job but especially considering I'm on a podcast with you right now. Like trust, I I I, I see the irony there, but um <laughs> I I I just, you know, I want to focus on providing value. And I want I I also want people to provide value for me in the sense that I want to see different perspectives. And you're only going to get that if you're talking about your personal experience, not just 10 tips for this and just Buzzfeed Clickmate, right?
0: Well, and I think you've done a good job at giving value and injecting like your actual personality in there. Like you're pretty funny. I don't know if anybody's following you on LinkedIn, <laughs> but if not, they should be. Um, but I mean, there are ways to add value and actually put you into the picture, I think. And I don't think everybody's doing that. A lot of the times, if you take away um, the name and you just take the text, you can't tell who um, authored it. And I don't think that's the point of content. People should be able to check out your post. And even if you're providing value and talking about what you do in the job, they should be able to tell it came from you because you have your voice in it. And I think that is definitely lacking in a lot of what we have on LinkedIn.
1: I would agree. I, I, that is a hard agree from me uh, 100% because you see that in in the echo chamber where. People are looking to either build their personal brand or just whatever, right? And so the content that they're consuming is what's going to go, what has the most morality. And so they're all getting the same tips. They're all being told to say the exact same thing. And then they all do that. And that's that's where it's all just buzzfeed, right? It's, I would say this, if, if you're getting ready to post like a, a big post uh, that you really, really feel passionate about, like you really had something to say, go back and read it as if you were just sitting across the bar from a friend. It's okay to write copy like you speak, especially when, when you're on a social network. You know, uh, people are using uh, the, the Hemingway app, right? And trying to get that reading grade level below fifth grade. Like, <laughs> we're adults here. Like, it, pe- people can read, you know, you can use word, more words or adjectives or, you know, inject a little bit of verbosity in there just to try to get your own personality out there. Like, just just be you. That's it. And, like, if you have value and you know your stuff like everything else will fall into place
0: it's kind of funny because when you think of personal brand a lot of the personal isn't even in there anymore it's just like you're trying to build a lot of followers you're not trying to actually show anything about you while you're doing it and i don't know it's to me it's just very ironic all of it
1: well cool oh deep cuts but i think you're right (laughs) I think you're right. And I think one of the, I've thought a little bit about this. And I think one of the, one of the things that people run into sometimes is I have to build my personal brand. I have to start building an audience. Okay. What are you going to do with it? Why? Good point do like, i feel what? like nobody knows yourself. why <laughs> exactly <laughs> they're just like,
0: like i just want to have a lot of followers and then i could maybe get a job or make more sales and like there's no more thought after that like what it could be doing
1: you just nailed it right there with one of those points which is get a job mm-hmm. and I, I i'll be the first to admit i've gotten several job offers from my content and, and or people wanting me to come consult or or those type of gigs but it's unfortunate just because the the nature of the job market right now like yeah it's it's tough out there it's it's not only tough uh for the uh, the folks that have been laid off and i don't want to disparage them in any way but it's also tough for the people that are having that are staying up until midnight and you know working with cut budgets and whatnot so like all across the spectrum like it's almost panic mode And so people kind of have defaulted to, well, I might not have a job. So build an audience. Everybody's saying work on your personal brand. Hey, I get that, but that's cart before the horse. Like Mm. here, here's what will end up happening. And and I've seen it happen with um, some folks where really good engagement just Going viral every single post and just really good engagement and and they just explode and all of this was when they were in between gigs right or they had just been laid off and then they get hired somewhere and that just,
0: uh, mm-hmm. and it just goes I know wait, I know exactly what you're talking about
1: and so I I'm seeing that a lot now where it's just kind of crickets and so. If you're doing it just to try to get the attention for for a job, like, yeah, go for it. Like, I I get that. But this is just, I guess, goes back to one of my core values as, as a marketer is, you just left your entire audience hanging. Like, because you didn't have a plan for the audience once you built it. Like, it's just, it irks me. Does that make sense? Mm
0: -hmm. It it does. And I know a lot of people out there now with the layoff, um, layoff aspect happening, they became kind of known for how tough the job search was. So they talked a lot about what was going on there and they tried to give advice to people. And then when they got a job, then they were quiet because they didn't actually have any of those difficulties anymore. And you kind of left all the other people looking for a job kind of out in the cold at that point. And what are you doing with your personal brand when you're not looking for a job anymore then? Like, are you known for anything? But hey, for uh, three months, I had no job and I applied to 200. And I told you guys exactly what happened at every interview. And then I vanished. Am I going to do this again when I don't have a job the next time? I'm just going to pop back in when I have time to do that. Like that's not good audience nurturing.
1: And I I can see both sides of it. Like I, I, I try to have a little bit of empathy because I yeah, you're pumped you got a new gig, right? Mm, yeah. and you're all, And you're also gonna be slammed because you're probably either low on headcount or budget. And so it falls to the wayside. Like I I I, I get it, but it's it's just not one of those Uh, sustainable social models you know it's um it's tough you know it's whether you're building your personal brand or you're working for a billion dollar company like your audience is your audience you should care about them because your job your livelihood your, your reputation your personal brand is really not dictated by you it's dictated by them and it doesn't matter if it's a recruiter or senior leadership you're interviewing with, or the kids straight out of college that's just looking for advice, you know, take care of everybody.
0: So marketers today are burning out faster than they ever have been. What do you think that they can do proactively to protect their sanity? And um, can their managers help them better gauge their bandwidth? Like what kind of things can people do to kind of combat that in the times that we're in now?
1: Get as much information about the job before you sign the contract. Ooh, Because once you're in, you're in and make sure that no rugs get pulled out from under you, there's no bait and switch. There's no, Hey, you're really good at this. So we're going to dump more on you set boundaries, protect your calendar period.
0: What kind of questions do you think people should be asking during the interview to make sure that they're not inadvertently taking a job that might not have um, the best values at stake?
1: Ooh. That's that's tricky because there you you have to uh, kind of walk a tightrope, but you can push. You know, you, you can you can really start to dig around and get a sense of like. The personal politics, for example, or uh, uh, interpersonal politics w- within the company. Um, ask ask about other people on the team. Ask about the person whose job you're filling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, ask what they were measured on. Ask really obscure things about uh, cross-functional things, like as a demand gen marketer. Like there, there are a few like absolutely must haves. Um can I talk to your audience? Can I pick up the phone or the, the Zoom and talk to customers? If you're not willing to let me do that, no thanks. Um, because that's what makes you know, successful at that function. And a lot of people guard that. Um you know, have a, a copy of uh, the the job description hold up on your monitor right there and go line by line, right? Don't let them interview you. That's rule number one. You're interviewing them. And I know that's really tough considering the state of the job market, but the people that are being interviewed, um, they're going to respect that. If it, if, if it's a good org that you actually want to work at, they're going to respect that because you're doing your due diligence and, and not a lot of people do that and that's why they in, end up in positions where everything on the job description was one thing but now we're this or yeah, you're looking for uh, a director of demand gen but we're still lead gen from 1996. Like It's ask as many questions as humanly possible and do not sign anything unless you feel 100% good about it.
0: It's funny, especially with demand gen, I have found that more and more people are hiring for that now. And a lot of them don't know what it means. Oh, that that's an issue.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. That's a big issue. actually. (laughs) Um,
0: I'm sure that's been tough for you to navigate too, because you don't know if they actually know what they mean when they're asking for, um a director of demand gen they could could be in anything by that
1: uh yeah i i've I've been in a few situations like that uh currently like with with my current position i didn't run into any of that at all we we uh had a really just open discussion about what the expectations were what the job is the the philosophy towards demand gen how it works cross-functionally with sales to what degree uh different metrics and uh, all the okrs all the kpis like set in stone from the very beginning great conversation but i've also had not great conversations because you see that a lot you know um uh, yeah we want demand gen yes we we want to generate demand for our product yeah this is a no-brainer but demand demand gen as a function like it's it's really nuanced and sometimes it 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 lives on an island with a view wider than the rest of marketing and it, this just con- considering the fact that we are the marketers that have our hand farther down the funnel than anybody else you know you have email marketing you do that like um and you, you got to be careful because it's it's where uh, a lot of people get uh, messed up with the uh, the KPIs and what we talked about earlier, but like it all goes back to having those conversations. And demand gen marketers are 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 really in a vulnerable position, considering they're sometimes and actually all too often not afforded the luxury of getting their own function up to speed before senior leadership or founders, CEOs, what whatever, if you're in in the startup world, they're going, I got leads. Where are the leads? Mm. Where are the leads? That's not, you know, we we want meetings booked. We we want to build authentic relationships with the audience where you you have to have that conversation. And this is for all the demand marketers out there, like you've got to, you've got to market yourself. You've got to create, you you're the product. And you're generating demand for you. And the way you do that is you talk to them like, look, we're worried, we're worried about short-term leads and whatnot, but our function is for long-term growth. You know, we, we don't want just the the uh top fuel MQL dragster, right? Like we want the diesel that just won't quit, you know, and, and taking um taking what you currently have and just building. Uh, a demand engine out of that it takes time and um, yeah it's again you got to have that conversation Julie you'll, you'll get in trouble real quick
0: you had a LinkedIn post um, a few weeks ago that I liked and you uh, mentioned that chat GBT isn't going to ruin marketing marketers are going to ruin chat GBT I just thought we could talk about that for a minute because it made me laugh
1: So AI is something that I'm super, super excited about. I I really am. Um, I started messing around with it and just doing what everybody else was doing. Like, hey, come up with uh, some email subject lines. Write me a blog, you know, whatever. Um, And that was neat. And that's where my interest kind of fell off. And then I reengaged with it after talking to um uh, a couple of engineers and a friend of mine that's a data analyst and went and he was going wait wait what why why aren't you or market, is that what marketers are doing with it and i i showed him uh, a lot of the posts on linkedin where 99% of people are using chat gpt wrong use these hooks like it's it's writing a hook for your linkedin post to tell people how to write hooks which are just prompts in ChatGPT, and you know, just feeding that echo chamber. But what's really, really awesome uh, about ChatGPT that I think is kind of flying under the radar right now is that it is a data analyst for anything you have. Just take all your data, just like you saw in that post. Take all your data and just feed it to it. You know, you can get it to write predictive algorithms to uh, predict the future based on your own data. You know, and I I know there's a lot of um, skepticism out there about ChatGPT sources and, and whatnot, but it can't fake your own data. It can give you, in plain English, just insights into areas that you might not be paying attention to, you know, it, it can... Um it, it's really good at identifying problem spots in, in life marketing and a lot of other areas. Okay. I think, the, well, I, I think the marketers that that look at it from the data perspective rather than getting it to just write emails for you so you don't Which have to do Which is what I copy. think people
0: are doing. I yeah. do. I do think that's what everybody I know has been doing. They're like, we just put we just wanted to make um Copy for our emails or subject lines or make a blog SEO optimized title and blah 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 like they're not thinking of right. it with data like you're mentioning and they're not using their own data at all and I think that's why a lot of people are complaining um, about the fact that it's not able to um, cite what they need yet and, and that is again yet at this moment maybe not but like in the coming months years who knows like it's gonna be able to do a lot more of that than it is <laughs> capable yeah. of doing now it's just gonna get better.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, w- once everything uh, chat GPT related, like gets hooked into the internet, like it's approaching the singularity quickly, you know, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I remember posting that and just saying that marketers are, are going to ruin this. Mm-hmm. It was like 48 hours and my feed was nothing, but just please stop talking about chat GPT. Okay. With all the Chat GPT posts and like everybody was just done with it already, and I'm like, wait, wait, this is so awesome. Just don't use it for that, you know. I I think a lot of folks are coming around, and it's it's definitely something that that I'm I'm really pumped about.
0: I, I think to, I think there's a lot of possibility with it, and there are ways that people who are in content now to find a way to distinguish themselves, and the people who are not able to do that, maybe they won't have a job anymore, but you kind of have to be um, proactive about uh, what's coming up, and I think we all have known that this was coming for a while, and a lot of people yeah. just didn't take enough action to make a better name for themselves to figure out content and voice a little bit better to be able to actually interview people a lot of that should have been maybe what they were doing up until now and now they're going to have to scramble
1: I, I completely agree i i've been saying that i i understand where people are really skeptical and almost concerned like it, you remember originally there was like all of these jobs are going to be eliminated and it's I don't see it as that. It's what I see is it's not marketers versus AI. It's marketers who are using AI and marketers who are not. That's where I see that go.
0: I like that. That's a good way to put it. Okay. I have been asking everybody who comes on the show to debunk an unpopular opinion. And I would love to hear your perspective on that.
1: my unpopular opinion, you don't need a personal brand. You know, stop following all the big influencers on LinkedIn. Stop, if you're following me, stop following me. If you really wanna get better at what you do, stop following all the influencers and go to your ICP, go to your audience and follow every single one of them. That's how you're gonna see real change because I, even if you're if you're in the job market, if you're happy where you're at or you're just starting out learning that kind of research and learning how to develop those kind of relationships rather than just participating in the echo chamber and just everybody just kind of biding their time really until something better comes along get out of it just get out of it and go follow the folks that that will actually be able to give you value, and that value is their expertise because if you're authentic, if you're genuine, they will tell you exactly what you need to do to be awesome at your job. You just have to listen.
0: thank you. That was an amazing point there. Um, where can people go? I know you just said that, but we just made this point, but where should people go to find you? They don't have to follow you if you want them to, but where mm. should they go to look you up now?
1: What? Yeah, I, I'm on LinkedIn, and uh, all, all my stuff is, is public. I've, uh, yeah, got a few of those unpopular opinions there. and um, But uh, honestly, it, I don't necessarily think that unpopular opinion should be equated with, like, stuff we just haven't talked about yet. Mm. And I, I think that's kind of the approach I've, I've been taking is everybody's just pretending like everything's okay. And I get that, right? It's, it's social media. You know, we've seen what happened with Perfect Life, band Life, Instagram posts. Like, you're presenting who you want to be, but, um, yeah, it's let's just be a little bit more authentic.
0: I am so happy that you joined me on the show today. Thank you for your time.
1: This was really awesome. I I, I love what you're doing keep the unpopular opinions going. And uh, I'll see you guys outside the echo chamber.
0: Yeah, I look forward to continue following you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to unpopular opinion. This episode was produced by audience ops, a content led growth agency. If you're looking for help launching a podcast, audience ops handles all the legwork so you can focus on providing the subject matter expertise. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow Ashley's show on Spotify, Apple or YouTube.